what a disruptive mess it was. Caesar's census, I mean. We know and feel keenly what it's like to have our lives disrupted by a weather event. But the people living during the first Christmas knew and keenly felt what it was like to have their lives disrupted by Caesar's census. It is a curious detail in Luke's story of Jesus' birth that he devotes more space to Caesar's census than to actual events of Jesus' birth. It's a five verses to two ratio. Let's explore why this might be. Caesar now was at the height of his power when he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. He had distinguished himself with the title Augustus, meaning exalted one. And he had publicly broadcast the good news, the gospel, that he had brought peace to the whole world. As the adopted son of deceased Emperor Julius Caesar, he honored his father as a god and then referred to himself rather than conveniently as the son of God. Poets wrote songs about the glorious new era he ushered in, songs that included references to Augustus as savior of the world. Everyone was expected to get in on the official Roman tax registration, but not simply by filling out a government form and sending it in like we do in Canada, but by each person going to their own town of origin to register. If you or those close to you had had to travel this week, you know the stress and anxiety of having, you know, closures and flight cancellations. It's enough to drive a person crazy. And this is when travel plans are ones that we decide to do. Imagine if the government was forcing you to travel so they could impose more taxes on you. Bah, humbug, right? Yeah, that's why I think one writer called Caesar's census a, a penetrating symbol of Roman domination. For many people, it was one more example of how their lives were controlled by the empire. But by using Caesar's census as a mere introduction, a preface to Jesus' story, Luke is suggesting at least two things. One is that Jesus' birth has far greater significance than Caesar and is, as the angel choir would announce, truly good news for all people. And secondly, by telling us how Caesar played a role in arranging for Mary and Joseph of Nazareth to be in Bethlehem at just the right time, Luke is relegating Caesar's contribution to the cause to that of a stagehand you know, in the far greater kingdom that God was establishing through Jesus. In this way, Luke is also telling us that there does not have to be a miracle or unusual event for God to be at work. Now, does God do miracles in this story? He certainly does in the, in the next scene with a great company of the heavenly host. But God works miracles just works without miracles just as well as he does with them. He works as much in the ordinary as he does in the extraordinary. Which is why Luke tells us the ordinary aspects also of Jesus' birth. Like most newborns in that culture, he is wrapped 
often what ordinary people had on hand, strips of cloth. You see, they were eco-friendly out of necessity, far before it became fashionable to be so. And the guest room, well, it could have well been in a relative's home given the absence of a holiday inn. And it was apparently occupied, and so Mary and Joseph withdrew to the stable. Perhaps at the back of the house, as it was in those days, or underneath, or in a cave nearby. Like most poor people, they knew how to improvise. Using what they had on hand that could function as a crib, rather than lamenting the absence of one. How bare bones, and simple, and messy it all seems to us, and it was, especially against the backdrop of Caesar's elaborate registration and taxation to build even more wealth. Yet Jesus of Nazareth came to be born in the very town that had been prophesied that the Messiah would be born. Bethlehem was a, a town whose sole claim to fame was being the birthplace of someone very famous, kind of like the town that I was born in. Now, most people actually haven't heard of Carmen, Manitoba. But if you ever drive there, you will see signs along the highway at each entrance to it announcing it as the birthplace of NHL Hall of Fame goaltender Eddie the Eagle Belfour. Yeah. Bethlehem was kind of like that. Its only claim to fame being that it was the birthplace of the great and famous King David. I don't know if you noticed in one of the songs, they even sang, City of David. It was really a town, but you know, reputation grows like that. Instead of, oh, little town of Bethlehem. How Jesus came to be born there was not dumb luck. It was orchestrated by the behind-the-scenes hand of God. Ever wonder how many of the best blessings in our lives have come about like that? A lot, actually. I started adding them up. Most. In the well-known Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, we sing, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. It is the silent simplicity and humility of Christ's birth that is perhaps the most wondrous thing about it. No big fanfare or media hype. Well, which is not to say there wasn't a dramatic birth announcement, right? When the shepherds appeared wide-eyed and star-struck at the manger, they had quite a story to tell about all of the special effects they had seen and heard. That was glorious by any account, but once again, what made it, I think, even more wondrous was who the intended audience was. In contemporary set, urban settings, farms and horses and herdsmen, you know, and the actors who portray them appear at times glamorous and glorious. After all, years ago when my daughter found out that I was going to help with Mennonite disaster service to help rebuild homes in, in uh, High River, uh, Alberta, she got really excited and you know why? Because I was going to the place where the TV series Heartland was recorded. Oh, how glorious. But cowboys and herdsmen were not 
and shepherds were not glorious or glamorous in those days. Indeed, among the many ancient documents that have been discovered in the Holy Land, there are several despised trades lists. That is, don't you dare let your kids to grow up to be one of these. Tax collector, gambler, dung collector, herdsman. Yeah, herdsman, like shepherds. So it is strange and wondrous indeed that people on the despised trades list should get the angel choir announcing the birth of the Messiah at their workplace. No wonder they hurried off to see it for themselves. And after they had, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. The great company of angels was wondrous, but I wonder if what left them most awestruck was who the angels appeared to and where and how God had chosen for his one and only son to be born. A savior for all people indeed. Luke tells us that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Many people in our day fail to treasure and ponder the things that matter most. We are so quick to move on to the next thing or experience that we fail to truly let the, the wondrous gift that God has given take root in our very being. We are not, one writer said, we are not really Christians at all until we have. The closing verses of O Little Town of Bethlehem show and tell us how. Let these words be our guide and our prayer. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen.